Thanks, Phil. We have a very full church this morning. Everyone wants to vote. <laughs> uh, we had a very full church last week as well, and there was no voting going on, so maybe it's not the vote. The voting. So, yeah, my name is Jesse. I have the honor this morning of opening the Bible and looking at it together with you. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 7 to 16, the, the very next passage from the one we were looking at last week. Whoa. I'm still on a high from that time of worship. What a blessed time. I'm, I'm just so thankful to God. He so often blesses us with just precious times of singing. just going to read Ephesians chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 7 for us. It, it'll come up on the screen as well. But to each one of us, grace has been given, as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. This is Paul quoting a psalm. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. He's talking about Jesus. In order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He's using very poetic language, isn't he? Then, verse 14, then we will no longer be infants, tossed to and fro by the waves, blown here and there, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head. That is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's our, our passage. We're going to stop there. Uh, let's just pray together before we, we kind of delve into it. Heavenly Father, we just would like to approach you now and ask that you will continue pouring out blessings on us this morning. We thank you for the time of precious worship that we just had. And, and, and we really ask that right now the Holy Spirit will be at work in this room in a special way. making clear the Scriptures to us, applying it to us, helping us to see the bigger picture. Um, Father, we ask that you will speak through me um, uh, to your people, not because of any ability which I might have or, or, or anything like that, but because you're amazing and because you, you often choose to use weak vessels uh, to accomplish your will. And so we ask for that together this morning. Amen. 
Last, last week, we, we, we looked at the passage before this one, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, which is about unity and the importance of having unity in the church. That sermon title was Being the Church, Unity. And this week, we're looking at the next passage, which is titled Being the Church, Being Unique. Because this passage is about, a, is, is about what it means to be unique and still have unity. How to leverage your uniqueness for the glory of Jesus rather than allowing it to be used as a doorway for Satan to come into the church and spread disunity and chaos. The first thing that stands out um, from our passage, verse 7, um, he starts by saying, but to each one of us. So he's contrasting the importance of unity with what he's about to say. He says, but those, those joining words in the Bible, they're often so important. If you see one, it's worth paying attention to it. But, so in, in contrast to what I've just said, but to each one of us, that is believers, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, or as Jesus intended to give it out. To each one of us, Paul says. In, in, in Romans, he says a similar kind of thing. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, he says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So Paul is saying that if you are a believer, he says each, each one of us, is, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Paul is saying that if you're a believer here this morning, watching online, uh, listening to the podcast of this sermon later, or, or maybe you're a believer and you never come across this service, if you're a believer, Jesus has been given grace. Jesus has given you Grace, a special grace, a unique grace. That's, that's the first application uh, this morning, just coming from verse 1. If you are a believer, you have been given grace by Jesus Christ. And then he, he keeps going, he's actually quoting here from Psalm uh, chapter 68, uh, verse 18, and he says, he, he says, verse 8, this is why it says, and now he quotes the Old Testament, he says, when he ascended on high, he took many captive, captives and gave gifts to his people. And in Psalm 68, what's going on is that it's a psalm about a victorious king who's just won a great battle and, and he's ascended on high on, on, on top of... Um, uh, on top of a, a, a mountain and taking many captives and, and giving gifts to his people. And Paul is applying this passage from Psalms to Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate victor in all of history, the greatest victor, the one who won the most important victory that has ever been won in human history. 
Jesus, who paid the price for the sins of everyone who calls on him so they can have peace with God again. Jesus, who defeated Satan, who won the decisive victory in the battle against Satan, the the great victory. And and Paul is applying that psalm to Jesus, saying it it finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. And and, and so he he says, "When when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then in verse 9, he explains why he's now quoting from the Old Testament. And he says, what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. And he's saying this, this is about Jesus because Jesus was in heaven in perfect paradise and he came down to earth as a baby and he lived as a human on the earth. And then verse 10, he says, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. We know, or maybe you don't know if if you're only a new believer or you're not a believer. Jesus died. He was resurrected again on the third day. And and a number of months after his resurrection, he ascended, which means he, he kind of went up into the air, like kind of floated into the air. Glory and power. Hundreds of people saw him ascend into the sky, the scriptures tell us. So Paul is saying this verse finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus did ascend on high. Jesus did take many captives in the sense that he defeated Satan. The ultimate victory was won. And so the third part of this Old Testament quote, which he's quoting from Psalm 68, he gave gifts to his people, is what Paul is really focusing on. And he's saying, if Jesus really did ascend, if Jesus really did win the victory over Satan, then he also gave gifts to his people. He, he has and he will. He continues in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service. There's, there's, there's different gifts which people uh, are given. That The apostles were the 12 original disciples, with Judas being replaced by a guy called Matthias, after Judas betrayed Jesus, and, and, and also Paul, who God specially called to be an apostle, to the non-Jewish people of the world, a missionary for him. And the prophets are people who explain and apply the Bible to particular situations. Evangelists, the people who, who proclaim the gospel, especially to people who don't know the good news that they can have peace with God, not because of their own goodness, but because of the goodness of Jesus. But here's the interesting thing, which is really easy to miss, with this verse. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, this is verse 11, now verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. You can replace to with in order to, right? So the purpose of God giving these people to the church was so that the church might be equipped 
for works of service. That's interesting. That there are many churches out there, even denominations, which believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, that means you, you, you rock up to church, you sing, you sit quietly during the sermon, uh, if you can, you stay awake, and then you go home, and that's what being a good Christian means. Uh, sometimes that's dubbed consumer Christianity. And the real spiritual work that God wants you to do, or that God wants the church to do, is done by those special, those, those apostles or the, the, the evangelists or the pastors and teachers. But Paul says here that the, the purpose of God giving those people, the apostles, who, the, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, is to equip the church for works of service, which is a, a, a pretty wild thing. Uh, our, our church believes in an active Christianity. God, through Paul, is calling you to participatory church life. Participatory church life, not consumer-based church life. And, And maybe he hasn't gifted you to serve on the music team or the tech team. Uh, maybe he hasn't give, gifted you in a way that's visible at all. It's not an upfront kind of visible way of serving him and serving your brothers and sisters. And that's great. That's awesome, really. Uh, we can and we should celebrate the many unique ways that Jesus empowers his people. But the point remains that we're not called towards a consumerism Christianity, but a participatory Christianity. I was thinking of how to illustrate some of the ways that Jesus empowers his people, but I actually decided that the best bet was actually to quote Paul from Romans 12 again. Uh, In Romans 12, Paul says, I actually have it written in my notes, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's a pretty broad spectrum, and that's not an exhaustive list of the different types of gifts that Jesus gives his people. That's an example list, including but not limited to kind of list. Maybe teaching and encouraging, they're not the ways that Jesus has gifted you. Not the ways that he's empowered you to serve him. That's amazing. Praise 
God. He must have known that we would need someone with different gifts. And he'd given you different gifts. You can be certain, though, that if you are a child of God, a disciple of Jesus, then he will have given you something which you can bless others with. He continues in verse 13. Uh, so he says, He's given all these people to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And here's something which is kind of crazy to think about. Jesus gave these people to equip his people for works of service so that, or in order that, he's given the purpose now, the body of Christ, and he's talking about the church here. It's a metaphor. When he says the body of Christ, it's a metaphor for the church may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that's a fancy way, a very poetic way, of saying becoming like Jesus, who is holy and perfect in every way. And here's the thing. When I see Jerry being encouraging to someone, because maybe that's his gift from from Jesus, That is a living, walking example to me of what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus, to be attaining to the full measure of Christ in a particular area. And in a church, God gives different people different gifts, and if we are exhibiting the unique gifts that Jesus has given us, maybe it's to quietly be praying for people. That is demonstrating, that is being a living, walking example to your brothers and sisters of of what it means to be like Jesus in that area. And it helps me to be encouraging as well, or to be praying as well. And so there's this idea of this interconnected, interdependent church where we actually need the gifts which God has given to each member. We need We need people to be serving. Because then we have this body which is is living like Jesus. This church which is being Jesus. He keeps going, verse 14. Then, if if this is happening, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Verse 13 says that, that um, we'll be built up if, if we're all exercising our gifts and, and we'll reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, right? By seeing someone living Jesus, we see Jesus more clearly. We see our Savior more clearly, our Lord more clearly, which enables us then to live more accurately like Jesus, to know Jesus better. 
to the wrong page. When we know Jesus well, when we know his character, when we know what he's like, when we know what he teaches, when we know what he does, then we, we will no longer be infants, Paul says in verse 14, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. The Bible actually tells us that there, there will be wolves who pretend to be servants of God, who spread lies. It's easier than ever before to find people like this. Because we have YouTube and podcasts. It's very easy to find charlatans. But there's also many compelling narratives which are untrue, but which the world believes. But when we can see Jesus clearly, when we know Him well, we'll be able to discern truth from untruth, right from wrong. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying it's important that you be exercising your unique gifts. Verse 15, instead, and he's saying instead of being tossed to and fro, not knowing what to believe, not knowing what Jesus is really like, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will become, will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, verse 16, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows itself up in love as each part does its work. It's really interesting. Verse 16, he fits in three sort of words to just emphasize again to everyone that it's not only supposed to be a pastor. We're going to vote on whether to call a particular person to be our pastor later today. Paul is emphasizing that the work of a church isn't supposed to be done just by a pastor. He has a role to play, an equipping role. But the work of the church is supposed to be something which, which every member is participating in. And so the three words, he says, from him, the whole body, that's one, the whole body joined together by every supporting ligament, that's two, every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul just, Paul just wants them to know that they are important. If, if, if they are a true child of God, a disciple of Jesus, then God has gifted them uniquely. And God wants them, God is calling them to be using their gifts to bless His people, to be serving Him, to be building up the church so that together we might be a beautiful picture of what Jesus is like. Our glorious Savior, the one who we, we, we uh, point over here because this is where the, the lyrics are, the one who we just glorified for his amazing worthiness this morning in song. It's a glorious calling, a privilege to be exhibiting Jesus to the people around us. In, in some sense, to be the body of Christ on earth. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. He's saying you're important if you're his child. Oh, well, 
if you're God's child, if you're his adoptive, adoptive brother or sister, you have a role to play. That's, that's pretty wonderful. That's exciting. I'm aware we, we have a meeting uh, after church, so uh, we're going to finish there. But let's just pray uh, again before uh, we have our, our closing song. Heavenly Father, uh, we just like to come before you and, and thank you for the honor and the privilege uh, that you have given us by, by asking us, even, even telling us that, that we have an important role to play in your kingdom and in, in your church. That, that's, a, that's a pretty high calling. Uh, and there are a lot of people, I'm confident, in, in this building who aren't sure how you've gifted them, who aren't sure how you want them to be serving you, to be glorifying you. And so we would like to just come together now and, and ask and pray, uh, firstly, that you, you really will help those people to find how you want them to be serving you. And they'll be so excited and passionate about that. But Father, we also pray just for all of us that we really will be a church where each one of us is exercising the gifts which you've given us for the good of each other. Where we really are just this amazing, beautiful, exciting picture of Jesus. We pray that, we ask that. That's, that's, a, that's a huge prayer to come before you with. And, but, but we come before you uh, asking it because, uh, because of, of just your promises to us. We, we, we're confident to ask for such outrageous things. And so we really do. We ask that this church will be a church which is known as a living church, a church where, where Jesus is being made known. Amen.